Let's get into the message. If you got your Bibles, get your sermon notes out. You can also get the sermon notes on your YouVersion Bible app. Go to the events section and you can download the sermon notes there as well. Let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 19. Woo! We yell because we're happy. Happy about the Bible, happy about what God's doing. John chapter 19, it is finished. It is finished. It's what we've been talking about. In this series, we started out talking about the importance of, of seeing what God's doing in our lives and seeing what he's doing in others. And, and we talked about being a great finisher in the beginning. What does it mean to be a great finisher? I gave you three easy E's on how to be a great finisher. Number one, the first E was you have to have an entry. If you're going to finish well, you've got to start well. So you've got to know your goals, and then you've got to get started. A lot of people know what they want to do, but they can't make themselves get going. So you've got to get started. Then after you get started, you've got to deal with the endurance E. The second one is the endurance. It's one thing to start something good, but how many knows it's a different deal when you get opposition, you get difficulty, it's tiring. You've got to endure some challenges. So if you're going to be a great finisher, you've got to have some endurance about you. And then the last E is you've got to have an ending, entry, endurance, and ending. It's not just about starting and you've got the endurance. We've got to go through to the end. We've got to see it through to the end. We don't quit until God is finished. How many times we quit when we're finished, but we don't quit until God is finished. Those are three easy E's about being a great finisher. And then I talked about the importance of knowing your it. When Jesus said, it is finished, he knew what his it was. And we need to know our it in life so that when we're at the end of our life, we can say, it is finished. So I gave you a simple way of remembering your it. It's as simple as ABC. The first thing about your itch you need to know is it is acceptable or agreeable. It's agreeable, agreeable to you and to God. It's going to please God. Whatever your it is on this earth, it will please God. And number two, it will fulfill you. So you want to do your it because it's going to be the best thing that ever happened to you. B, it's bigger than you. That means it's going to take God and you to do it. You can't do it on your own. How do you know you're in your it when it's impossible? It's encouraging, isn't it? It is encouraging when we know we're relying on God's resources and not just ours. It's bigger. And then the second part of bigger, it's not just about you. It's about somebody else. It's about serving other people. C is, means it's costly. Getting in your it, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. But the other part of costly is it's valuable. It's precious. You'll sell your whole, everything you have to buy what God has for you. Costly. So then last week, Pastor Chris came and talked to us about the importance of raising our expectation level that we need to live with greater expectation of what God wants to do. So I encourage you today, raise your expectation on what God's going to speak to you today. And I want you to turn, I want you to give my subtitle for today's segment of It Is Finished. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell them, you got to taste for yourself. Taste for yourself. Taste for yourself. Because there's some things in life, in Psalm 34, the Bible talks about taste and see that the Lord is good. How many of those are some things in life you just got to taste for yourself? I can tell you that it was the best steak I ever had, and that's wonderful for me, but you don't really know for yourself until you taste it for yourself. Some things you got to see for yourself. You got to taste it for yourself. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to present a problem, and then hopefully God's going to help us solve it by the end of the message. Here's the problem. How many times in life do we have situations or circumstances where something can be prepared, made ready in advance, or something can be finished or completed, and yet we still not experience it. 
Something's finished, something's done, but yet we're not benefiting from it. Has that ever happened to you? I think it has. I'm going to give you four examples that you might relate to. Number one, have you ever had somebody holler at you? We say holler around here. You ever had anybody holler at you and say, hey, supper's ready. Supper's ready. We'd be outside playing. And mom would yell outside, hey, supper's ready. What does that mean? As soon as she said supper's ready, that means she had gone to the trouble of preparing or cooking supper and it was ready for us to eat. Now, the moment she said supper's ready, I didn't get full. Supper was ready and prepared for me, but I did not benefit from it until I came to eat. She could say, supper's ready, and I keep playing, and I'm still hungry. Why am I still hungry? Because I didn't come eat. But if I will come and eat what's prepared for me, so something was made ready in advance, but I wasn't experiencing it yet. Give me another example. Someone writes you a check. We'll say it's a good check. <laughs> Somebody writes you a check. So they have a, a check is a promise to pay. So somebody's written you a check. They've made the payment. I mean, in your mind, when you mail a check, you sent in the payment. But that other person, if you give someone a check, they haven't benefited from that check yet. It's just a check. Only after they go to the bank and cash that check do they benefit from that check. So payment was prepared, made ready in advance. They have the funds available in the bank for you. But you won't see the benefit from it until you go cash it for yourself. A, a check, like I said, is a promise to pay, but you've got to cash in on that promise. So let's try another one. How about a seed? Getting ready to plant your garden. Great time of year to get your garden planted. Maybe you've already started, but a seed, inside a seed is everything that seed needs to produce tomatoes. Everything's made ready in advance. That seed is prepared to grow. It's all there. But how many knows a seed in two different people's hands can produce two different results? So a seed can be prepared, made ready in advance, but you're not experiencing tomatoes. You're holding those seeds, and you're like, man, I'm hungry for some tomatoes. You're not going to experience it until you put the seed in its proper place and let it produce what it's designed to produce. It's going to take time. So it's prepared. I'm going to give you another one. Another one might be a gift card. I got a gift card here. A gift card is where someone else goes to, uh, we'll say, a restaurant, for this example, and they give money, pay money to that restaurant, and then they give you a gift card. And they give you the gift card, and now when you get the gift card, you're ready to go. You didn't pay anything for it, but it was prepared. A meal, a free meal is waiting for you. It's prepared, it's made ready in advance, but you're not experiencing it yet. You actually have to go to the restaurant and present your gift card, and you have to show up. All of these examples I've given you, something is made ready in advance, it's prepared, it's ready, but there is an action item on our part to experience the benefit of what is prepared for us. You're tracking with me. I'm just giving you a natural example of things so you can see the process to understand that something can be ready, something can be prepared for us, but we have to do something in order to experience the benefit that has been prepared for us. So I can say it this way. Just because something's not experienced doesn't mean it's not prepared. You can take this gift card, you can set it on your dresser, 
And you can let it sit there for weeks and months. And the whole time the restaurant is just waiting for you to walk through the doors. Huh? A meal is prepared for you. They got everything ready. All you got to do is walk in and show them the car. They're waiting for you. But you got to believe there's something on this card. You got to believe that something's prepared. You got to believe that something's been made ready for you. You got, you got to believe that somebody actually paid the restaurant. You can say, ah, it's just some card. They probably didn't even pay the restaurant. You can leave it on the shelf and never benefit from something that is prepared for you because you didn't receive it. So now, you've got it in the natural, right? You understand the natural application. But I want you to see today that the same thing is true in the spiritual. That something can be prepared for us spiritually, but not experienced by us spiritually. Something could be ready for us. Something could be finished and completed, just waiting for us, but we still not experience it. Just because something is ready to eat... You know, we've got to understand that just because they've made that preparation, we still have our part to play to experience it. So let's see what the Bible says about it and what, what we need to do to experience everything that God has for us. Once we understand this concept of natural, I'm going to bring it into the spiritual today so that by the time we're done, you'll understand the idea and the mindset that something can be prepared for me and I'm just not experiencing it. So be, just because I'm not experiencing it does not mean it's not prepared and waiting for me. It doesn't mean it's not finished yet. Somebody, you buy a present for somebody, and you can wrap it up and put it under the tree. It's prepared. It's waiting for them, but they've got to experience it by unwrapping it. I believe there's gifts that God has given us. He's wrapped them up in Jesus, waiting for us to unwrap everything that he's purchased for us. John chapter 19, all right. Let me get there myself. John 19, look at verse 28. It says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished. Everybody say accomplished. Accomplished. That the scripture might be fulfilled. He said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there. And they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Everybody say finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Notice what it says, knowing that all things were now accomplished and it is finished. The word accomplished and the word finished in their Greek language, the original writing of the New Testament, is the exact same word. It's the exact same word. Here's the definition of it. I'll give it to you in your sermon notes there. It means to bring an activity to successful finish, to a successful finish. Listen to this, to complete to end, to set out for a goal, a point aimed at, or a target. So when Jesus said, all things are accomplished and it is finished, we need to know what was finished. We need to know what he did. We need to know what has been completed. It's not talking, it didn't say, Jesus didn't say, it is now started and will happen someday. He said, it's done. It's completed. I want to know what was completed. I want to know what he's made ready in advance for me. I believe we need to know what he's already prepared. What if he's got a gift card for you that you need to redeem? What if he paid for something that you're not experiencing yet, but it's waiting? We need to know what it is. So what did Jesus finish on the cross? Two things that I'm going to talk about today. Two things. They both start with an R. Number one is redemption. Redemption. He finished redemption for us. We're going to talk about that. The second thing is rewards. Rewards. So turn in your Bibles over to Ephesians chapter 1. 
Ephesians chapter 1. Let's look at these two things that are finished. Notice these things are not going to happen. He said they're all accomplished and finished. It's already done. It's already done. So something can be completed but not experienced. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to start reading in verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to his good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In the beloved means in Jesus. We are accepted in Jesus. Verse 7, in him we have redemption. Everybody say redemption. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So the first thing we have is redemption in him. The first thing that was finished on the cross is redemption. Here's what the word redemption means. It means to release or set free on receipt of ransom, paying a price, to redeem. That's from Vine's Dictionary. So it's to release or set free because a payment was made. We were bought and paid for. Remember this, a gift card is free to you, but somebody has to pay for it. You can't just take a gift card out of the store and stick in your pocket and then come back and get your meal and say, hey, here's a gift card. Well, I've got a gift card. Yeah, but there has to be money on the gift card. Small detail. Well, the same thing. Our redemption was free to us, but there was a price that still had to be paid. It wasn't free. It had to be paid. So how was our redemption paid for? The Bible says in 1 Peter that, that our redemption, we were redeemed not with corruptible things like silver or gold, not with money. You can't buy redemption from God for, or redemption with God. He said it wasn't redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Christ. It cost Jesus his own blood. It cost him his life. So redemption that was provided for us, it's free to us. It's our, it's our spiritual gift card. Redemption is a gift card, but it cost Jesus his blood. So now, how, how does that work for us? Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9 say this, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. So redemption, forgiveness of sin, is a gift from God. It's God's gift card to us. It was paid for through the blood of Jesus. By grace, here's what by grace means. By grace means it was his idea. He's the one who bought the card. He's the one who gave us the gift card. We didn't say, hey, God, could you give us a gift card? No. By grace means he's the one who initiated it. We couldn't come to God. He came to us. By grace, we couldn't afford it. He, he did that part on his. He, it was his gift, his, his reaching towards us by grace. This is what he did. But notice what it says. It says, by grace through faith. So when we understand that, that salvation is made, redemption was purchased for us, God extending towards man. Remember this part about redemption. When Jesus died, redemption was purchased for everyone, but it must be applied individually. Let me say it this way. Forgiveness or redemption was given universally, but it must be appropriated individually. 
When I use the word universal, I'm not talking about universalism where everyone is saved and everyone's going to heaven. No, what I'm talking about is that God said, I'm going to forgive the sin of humanity universally. Now I'm just going to ask you to individually apply it to your life. He's already paid for the sins of humanity. It was paid for through the blood of Jesus 2,000 years ago on the cross. Payment's already been made, but now it has to be appropriated individually. How do we appropriate it? How do we redeem the gift card? We redeem it through faith. Notice what it says, by grace are you saved through what? Through faith. The sovereignty of God was his decision by grace, but now it's up to us through faith to redeem what was applied or appropriated or supplied for us. Spit it out in a minute. By grace means God's part. Through faith means our part. By grace was God extended to me something I could not get on my own. Through faith is how I receive what God provided for me. It's the tunnel. It's the, it's the conduit, if you will. I receive through faith. I believe what he did for me. It's believing. It's trusting that what God did is actually applicable to my life. It's like having a gift card. Through faith means, like somebody gives you this gift card. It's like having a gift card to a restaurant but never going because you don't have enough money. Can you imagine that? That if you, someone giving you a gift card for $100 to go out to eat, but you don't go out to eat because you don't have $100. Like, I don't have enough money to go. I know, but you got a gift card. I know, but I don't have enough money to go. But you got a gift card. I know, but I don't have enough money to go. But you got a gift card. <laughs> we joke about that in the natural, but the problem is we try and do it in the spiritual. Is that we think that we got to do it on our own, that our goodness, that I'm not going to come to God, I'm not going to come to church until I get my life straightened out, until I get my life in order, until I fix my mess. Stop trying to fix your mess. You've got a gift card. It's the blood of Jesus. He's already paid for it. It's not based on my goodness. If it's based on my goodness, I sure wouldn't be up in here. But when we understand we have a gift card that I have to apply by faith, I have to show up to the restaurant, I have to eat my food, and at the end, I give them this card by faith that there's something on it. I ate that food ahead of time. I didn't have them run the card first. Maybe you should once in a while. But I, hey, I'm in blind faith. Somebody gives me a gift card. I'm trusting you. You better put some money on that thing. So at the end, so at the end, I've eaten, I've already received everything that's provided for me, and I believe payment's already been made. We need to do the same thing spiritually. Through faith, I believe redemption has already been applied or already been provided for us. We just got to receive it through faith. It's, redemption is not about our, our goodness. It's not about our resource. Sometimes I believe that we miss out on things because we're focused on our, our resources instead of his provision. Let me say it again. Too many times we miss out on what God's done for us because we're focused on we, what we have done. You're missing out on redemption sometimes. I'm missing out on redemption because I'm so focused on my failures instead of working and focusing on Jesus' acceptance. We're saved through Jesus. Well, I need to get my life. I know we need to get our life in order, but we got to realize our life in order does not make us accepted by God. I hate to burst anybody's bubbles. You're not going to earn your way into heaven. The only way we get in is because Jesus paid for your redemptive gift card. Does it mean I don't have to worry about I can do whatever I want, I can just sin, I can, it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter. But I'm talking about that. I'm talking about we have to apply by faith what Jesus already did for us. 
Relationship, relationship. See, your, your relationship with God, this coming to my mind, so I'm going to go there. This is, this, this is off script. But I, I was thinking about this week. My relationship with God, see, when people talk about, well, does that mean I can just sin and do whatever I want and I'm going to get into heaven because it's already been provided for me? And I, <laughs> my relationship with God is not based on something that, my confidence, my security and my relationship with God is not something that, based on something that happened to me years ago. My confidence and my security and my relationship with God is based on what I do every day. You want me to give you an example? My confidence and my security in my marriage is not based on what happened on March 28, 1998. My confidence and my security in my marriage is what I get up and do every day with my wife. Same thing with your relationship with your Savior. You should be absolutely confident and secure in your relationship with God. But it's not based on something you did on some date. It's based on something you do every day. Every day. Every day. So by, faith, by grace through faith is how we receive our redemption. Now let's look at the second one. So you're redeemed. You're redeemed. You're redeemed. You're redeemed. Jesus took on what we deserve so we can take on what he deserved. Let's look at the second R, rewards. Go to verse 11. Go to verse 11. It says, in him also, everybody say also. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. Here's rewards, inheritance. When I say rewards, I'm not talking about your heavenly rewards based on your works on the earth. When I say rewards, it's just two R's. I'm using it to talk about our inheritance. Redemption, forgiveness of sin, and inheritance. Notice what it says. In him also. Also what? Because verse 7, in him we have redemption. In him also we have inheritance. So we have, is our inheritance just our redemption? No. It's our forgiveness of sins and it's everything else that Jesus died to give us. We can't leave our inheritance on the table because we have an entire inheritance been given to us by God. Let's look at this. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Second thing that we get that was finished. Remember what we're talking about. This is what is finished at the cross. When Jesus said, it is finished, one of the things was redemption, forgiveness of sins. The second thing that was finished was our inheritance. People have a problem when you talk about rewards, but your Bible says in, in Hebrews that it's impossible to please God without faith, for he who believes God must believe that he is, who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's a rewarder. So we got to realize that God gave us an inheritance, and we got to see what is that. What is that inheritance that Jesus died to give us? I'm going to give you three W's to talk about your inheritance. You need to know what your inheritance is. If you're watching this online, you're listening here in the auditorium, or you're listening by CD, we need to know what our inheritance is. We grasp a hold of redemption, forgiveness of sin, but too many times we're not grabbing hold of the inheritance that is the also. In him also, we have an inheritance. Here's the three W's. Number one, where? Where is your inheritance? I want to know where my inheritance is. If Jesus died so that I can have an inheritance, I'd like to know where it is. If somebody left you an inheritance, wouldn't you like to know where to go pick it up? Wouldn't you like to know where to show up to sign papers to make it official? I want to know, where is my inheritance? The Bible tells us. I'm so glad you asked. Where is it? Look in verse 7. It says, in him we have redemption. Verse 11 says, in him we have obtained our inheritance. So our inheritance, both redemption and rewards, are in him. In him. 
Notice what it said back in verse 3, that he's given us, has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Our inheritance is in Christ. It's in Jesus. Why am I emphasizing that? Because we can't try to get our rewards or inheritance outside of Jesus. He's not Santa Claus. It comes from a relationship with him. In, in Genesis, Abram, he was talking to Abram. He says, I am your exceeding great reward. He is our reward. It's not what he does for us as our reward. He is our reward. So this is what we got to do. we got to realize in him, I'm going to get everything I need for my life. You want to figure out what God has provided for you ahead of time that you can experience? When I talk about, I'm talking about joy, peace, goodness, love, family life, jobs, provision, every health, every area of your life. It's all found in him. It's all found in him. So now we know where. It's in him. Notice what it says, though. In verse 3, it says, in every spiritual blessing. I've heard this before. Chad, now listen, that's just spiritual blessings. We're not talking about natural blessings. The problem with this, I think it's been misinterpreted. People have thought when it says spiritual blessing, it's talking about a type of blessing. It's not talking about a type of blessing. It's talking about a source, a location. Where do you get your blessings from? It's spiritual. It's from God. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father above, comes down from him. So now all my blessings are spiritual blessings because they come from him. Whether it's, a, whether it's a house, whether it's emotional, whether it's spiritual whether, or, or physical, whatever it is, spiritual blessings mean where I get my blessings from. He's my source. This is what it's talking about. Every spiritual blessing, it comes from him. So it's where it's located. It's our access point. If you want to access, if I want to access my inheritance, I need to know where it is. Notice what it says, in heavenly places or in him. Let me use this illustration. It's like a bank. When you deposit money in a bank, you have to go back to that bank to withdraw it. If you deposit money into First National Bank, you can't go to First Federal and say, I want to make a withdrawal. They're like, dude, you don't have an account. I know, but I want to withdraw $1,000. I deposited over here in First National, but I want you to give me $1,000. It'd be crazy in the natural but this was talking about spiritual blessing means it's our source. So now when we want to receive our spiritual inheritance, this is very important, we got to make sure we're withdrawing from the right bank. I don't withdraw spiritual blessings with natural sources. I don't try and withdraw spiritual blessings through natural means. Here's what I'm trying to say. I can't wait for my natural senses to confirm a spiritual transaction. So when I'm looking for what God has given me, what he's made ready for me, what he's provided for me, what's finished for me, I can't wait for my feelings to tell me whether I really got it or not. That's withdrawing from the wrong bank. When I withdraw, it's been deposited in him. So where do I withdraw it from? I withdraw from him. I don't withdraw from my feelings. He didn't deposit it into my feelings. But we want to wait if we feel it. Am I saved? I just don't feel saved. I just don't feel saved. I'm probably not going to heaven. I don't feel saved. Well, wait a minute. Where did he deposit your redemption? He didn't deposit into your feeler. By grace are you saved through feelings. By grace are you saved through, through faith. So how do you know you're saved? Through faith. What about when you don't feel like it? You believe it. 
You believe it. So you withdraw from using spiritual means. What is our spiritual means? Hebrews 2.8 says this, by grace through faith. Our spiritual resources, our spiritual means for withdrawing spiritual uh, inheritance, it is through faith. It's not through thinking. Well, I just don't understand. You don't have to understand. Just receive by faith. We're trying to withdraw too many times spiritual blessings through natural resources. And God is saying, hey, you're getting hung up because you're trying to withdraw something from the wrong bank. I've deposited this in spiritual so we know where it is. It's in him. So we've got to withdraw it from the same one. We can't wait for our natural to be a confirmation of that spiritual transaction. See, when we're, when we're using faith, I, I like to say it this way. Faith is the means for withdrawing spiritual blessings. It's the means. For by grace are you saved through faith. Through faith. Through faith. But, here's a good important kicker. Faith is the means where we receive spiritual blessings, but it is not. The lack of faith is not the only hindrance. Let me say that again. I hope this helps you. Faith is the means by how we receive spiritual blessings, but lack of faith is not the only hindrance. There's some things that could be hindering me from experiencing what's been prepared for me, and it's not faith. It's something else that is an issue in my life that I need to address and get corrected. There are times things that I can be held back by bitterness, unforgiveness towards someone, and all of that that I'm holding is keeping me from experiencing what's been prepared for me. And sometimes people get discouraged and condemned because people say, well, you just didn't have enough faith. You just need to believe God. You didn't have enough faith. It may not be that you didn't, it may not be that you didn't have enough faith. It may be something else that's hindering you from receiving what God's prepared. Faith is the means by how we receive, but there are other hindrances that may keep us from receiving. This is why we have to have relationship. Let God tell us. Let's go to the second one. Who was the first one? Where? I'm sorry. Where was the first one? Who is the second one? The second W is who. So who gets to inherit an inheritance? An heir. Romans chapter 8. Notice what it says. Romans chapter 8 verse I'm going to jump to verse 16. It says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So now when we become born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, now we are children of God. Once we are children of God, we are heirs of God. Once we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, come on, check it out. Now, what do we have as a right for our inheritance? Everything that Jesus inherited, we get to inherit. I know that sounds like it's too big. I know it sounds like it's impossible because we're just human beings. But I didn't write the Bible. God did. And he said, Chad, once you become a child of God, you are now a joint heir with Jesus. Everything that he had, you have a right to inherit. So just because I have a right to inherit it doesn't mean I'm going to experience it. Just because it's been finished and made ready in advance, just because it's prepared for me, doesn't mean I'm going to experience it. So if I'm not experiencing everything that I believe God wants me to experience, I don't get discouraged. I just focus more. we got to spend more time focusing on the provision than we do our lack of experience. 
Here's what happens to us. Here's what happens to me. Maybe you're better, but here's what happens to me. When I'm not experiencing my inheritance in an area, I will get too focused sometimes on what I'm not experiencing, and it'll get me discouraged. And God said, if you'll spend more time focusing on my provision and focusing on what I've done for you, what I've completed for you, you will begin to experience the reality and the truth from the inside out. My inheritance is a spiritual blessing. i got to withdraw it through spiritual means, through faith. Instead of I don't see it, I don't hear it, I don't feel it, therefore I don't have it. That's the wrong bank. We're trying to withdraw based on what we feel. I don't understand. I know I don't understand. I don't know when this is going to work. I know I don't either. But I'm going to keep making withdrawals from the right bank, from the spiritual bank, because that's where God put my inheritance. So now I know who. You're an heir. You're an heir. Look at your neighbor and say, you're an heir. <laughs> Tell them you're an heir. If you're a child of God this morning, if you accept Jesus, you're an heir. And you have rights. Come on, you got to hear this. You have rights as an heir. I didn't, <laughs> I get passionate about this part. I didn't give myself my rights. God gave them to me through Jesus on the cross. I'm not bossing God around when I receive my inheritance. I'm just receiving, I'm having the audacity to show up and use the gift card. When you go to the restaurant and you present the gift card, they're not going to say, who do you think you are coming in here with your gift card? Want a free meal, you freeloader. Excuse me. They're never going to tell you that. We understand that, right? Right? Your father, your heavenly father is never going to say to you when you come to him and say, Lord, I come to receive the promises that you've made for me. I come to redeem the gift card of my inheritance. He's never going to say to you, oh, you prideful little thing, what do you think you're doing here? I got bigger things to do and worry about your problems. He's never going to say that. He's going to say, that's been paid for. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. I'll receive your card. That's been paid for. Woo, come on, enjoy your meal, son. Come on, enjoy it. Enjoy your inheritance, daughter. I paid for it. He's going to be happy to see you. They're going to love to see you at that because they know they've already got their money. The issue is when. The final W is when. So if I know my inheritance has been provided, I know it's, it's in heavenly place, the spirit realm. I know that I'm an heir, so I get on it. When do I get it? Everybody wants to know when. Notice what it said in verse 3. Let me look at it here just to make sure I get it right. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Has blessed us. Has blessed us. Is that future tense, present tense, or past tense? Has blessed us is what tense? Past tense. He has blessed us with how many spiritual blessings? Every spiritual blessing has blessed us. It's already been done. When, when does an heir receive their inheritance? When they die? Let me give you a scripture. Hebrews, some of you look at me funny. Hebrews 9 says this, For where there is the last will and testament involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will and testament is valid and takes effect only at the death, since it has no force or legal power as long as the one who made it is alive. When does the heir receive their inheritance? When they die? 
No, they receive their inheritance when the one who made it dies. If Grandpa Joe left you an inheritance, and you're so thrilled, Grandpa Joe left you an inheritance, when do you receive what Grandpa, Grandpa Joe left you? You receive it when Grandpa Joe dies, not when you die. Now, no, we're, God bless Grandpa Joe. We're not trying to send him home early. We're just saying. But here, here's a problem. In religion, religion has taught us that we only receive our inheritance when we die. I didn't receive my inheritance. I don't receive my inheritance only when I die. Do I get to go to heaven? Yes. Not, not putting anything, making light of that. But my inheritance came to me as a gift card to me when the one who made it died. When Jesus died 2,000 years ago, when he died, now his last will and testament, every promise that he made is now available for me to inherit. Everything that he promised, he said, now you're an heir. You're a joint heir with Jesus. So now here's your gift card. It's been provided. Well, I'm not experiencing it. I know I'm not experiencing everything yet either, but it doesn't mean it's not ready. It doesn't mean it hasn't been paid for and set aside. Supper's ready. All he's waiting for you is to come eat. Your Bible says that those who hunger will be filled. (laughs) Too many people, too many times God is saying, I'll just say for me. He'd say, Chad, come eat. I got more for you. I paid for some more for you to experience. I'm like, ah, I don't believe it. It's there. It's on the car. And the problem is, here's what he showed me this week. He said, Chad, there's, there's an area in your life that I want to correct. I'm like, hey, please feel free. You put more faith. You think, uh, here's, here's how it came about. You think it's more difficult for me to heal someone physically than it is for someone to be born again. So your faith is in agreement with what you believe. You think it's a bigger deal for legs to grow out that we're not there than for a person to raise their hand and be born again. He says, son, I'm telling you, it is a greater miracle for a person to be born again than it is for someone to grow out new legs. But because your faith is in accordance with your belief, you see more of one than you do the other. I'm like, Lord, I kind of want some validation. He said, okay, let me, sh- let me prove it to you in the Bible. He said, you remember the story of the paralytic on the bed and his friends carried him, tore open the roof, dropped him down? What was he there for? He was there for healing. Jesus looks at the man on the bed and says, hey, your sins are forgiven. The friends and the guy, I'm sure they're like, hey, dude, that's great. Thank you. But we kind of came for something else. We appreciate the whole forgiveness thing, but we came for a miracle. Come on, check this out. Jesus said, out of his own words, he says, which is easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or take up your bed and walk? You think it's easier to say your sins are forgiven. 
But I tell you, to show you, to prove to you that the Son of Man has power on the earth to forgive sins, I say to you, take up your bed and walk. The boy took up his bed and walked out. Now, which was a bigger deal in Jesus' mind? The bigger deal to him was that his sins were forgiven. So here's what God's saying. Not only have I given you redemption, forgiveness of sins, it's the greatest miracle in the world. It does not mean that we don't pursue miracles, signs, and wonders in the natural. It just means we realize that it's a bigger deal to release our faith to God to save my dead spirit than to heal my body. Now I gotta have more confidence. God, if you can save my soul, you sure enough can heal my body. If you can save my dead spirit and make it alive, if you can do that, then healing my body is a cakewalk for you. If we will transfer our faith and realize that both redemption and inheritance is a gift card presented to you, all we gotta do is redeem it. Show up. Here it is, it's free. You need restoration and relationships. You need miracles in whatever area of your life. Every spiritual blessing has been paid for. It's been paid for. Every spiritual blessing, you name it. What do you need today? God says, I've already provided it. All you have to do is through faith receive. Receive what's already been done. You aren't trying to twist God. You didn't have to say to God, will you please forgive me? Will you please forgive me? Will you please forgive me? Oh, okay, okay. I'll forgive No, he already forgave you when it was finished on the cross. All you had to do was receive what was already done. Same thing. We don't have to beg God to heal us. We don't have to beg God to provide for us. We don't have to beg, oh, okay, okay, I'll heal you. No, he's like, it's already finished. Psalms 103 puts the two together. That he forgave all of our iniquities and healed all of our diseases. 